Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Generation Ag. You're with Lavinia today. I got the privilege to interview Zoe Hayes, who is a Jillaroo currently living and working on a property in Western Australia in the Mekathara area, which is where I actually went on the hay run and was actually able to meet Zoe in person because she was part of the hay run as one of the sponsors because she runs a business called Dust of Depression. She's also a single mum and she's passionate about mental health advocacy In the rural industry, she's really passionate about changing the stigma around mental health issues such as depression and suicide after her mum passed away just shy of her 18th birthday. Zoe is a really, really astonishing woman. She's accomplished so much for such a young age and I think you'll get a lot out of this episode and I think there is a lot to say for what she's doing and how she's actually promoting uh, depression and awareness around mental health on and in agricultural areas. Thanks so much, guys, and I hope you really enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Generation Ag is absolutely thrilled to have you. We were supposed to get this interview done while we met you up in Methera, but that day was kind of a big one and didn't quite go to plan. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself, your background and your upbringing? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me. And that weekend was extremely hectic. Um, but yeah, my name, for those listening who don't know who I am, my name is Zoe Hayes and um, I am a delivery as well as a mental health advocate who lives and works 209 kilometres northeast or northwest of Mekathara. And I am a single mum to an almost one year old. And my upbringing was very unusual to a lot of people that do work on the land but um I was had a like not the ideal childhood um I was in a domestic violence um marriage like my parents were not in a healthy space and I sort of escaped that by um riding horses and sort of keeping a lot of my time outside out of the house and um, then for high school, after being bullied in primary school, I then went to an agriculture college. Um, it was a boarding school that allowed me to also go to school with one of my horses. So it was a huge escape for me, I guess, from what was going on behind closed doors that no one knew about. Um, and from that, interest in horses it took me over to England and I rode in England for 10 months show jumping horses for an Australian guy who was based over there and um, I had a nasty injury and had to come home and I was only home nine months before my mum actually suicided and then from there I was only like I'm an only child and was um, not connected with my dad so I kind of found myself a little bit homeless and um yeah, from there, it sort of led me down the path of working on cattle stations. It was a roof over my head, food on the table and an income. And um, yeah, I haven't 
looked back six years You're pretty phenomenal, to be honest, because that is a huge weight that you kind of had on your shoulders for a very long time. And then with your mum passing away, even more so, and for you to be as resilient as you are and to just say, you know what, I just have to figure it out and get on with life just shows how strong you really are. Oh, thank you. I, um, I guess, yeah, I did have to grow up very quickly and uh, I've always looked at it that I either had two options and it was to sink or swim and I don't really like water so I wasn't prepared to drown. <laughs> I love that. I think that's extraordinary. I mean, what a great sort of story that led you to agriculture being the love that you have today. I mean, it's kind of like if you're not in the industry, particularly as a stockwoman, you wouldn't think of it as a career path to go down and absolutely thrive in, but you clearly have. Yeah, definitely. I think if anyone had have told me that this was the career path, I would have gone down, um, you know, even eight, you know, looking back even 10 years ago when I was, um, although I rode horses, I was, you know, sort of in suburbia and I lived a very sort of, um, I guess, glamorous lifestyle. You know, I went, I had a nine to five job. I worked Monday to Friday. I used to wear heels and makeup to work. And if you had to tell me that I was going to be living in the middle of nowhere, with no phone reception, where I didn't wear makeup, I probably would have laughed. <laughs> um, Definitely yeah. a change. Now a I, change. Yeah. Uh, and now I just I would never. Yeah, I think that. it's honestly it's such an incredible story. And I mean, we're going to talk about a little bit more about your life on the land as a single mum in a minute. But let's just touch back on the fact of yeah, your mum passed away due to um, mental health issues. So can you sort of elaborate on dust off depression and the organisation that you started? Yeah, certainly. So I lost my mum to suicide. I was just shy of. 18 and it was in September of 2012 um it came as a massive shock like my mum had always suffered with depression and I've grown up seeing what mental health does to someone but I never imagined it would leave me you know sort of orphaned um and alone I suppose so um when I got into the agriculture industry it was huge relief for me it um Sort of grounded me more it gave me a whole new perspective on life but as well as healing me it also made me far more aware that other people particularly managers station owners and others that were working in stock crews were suffering silently and I could see those kind of bubbling to the surface issues that I had already previously witnessed having lived with my mum who had depression and probably also on the anxiety spectrum. So I I was very much aware to sort of look for those signs in other people. And it was so unspoken about and nobody would ever sort of sit down at the end of the day and talk about their feelings or emotions. It was just kind of like if someone was considered sooking, and I say that with, you know, big question marks above it, um, quotation marks, that you know, no one was allowed to express how they were feeling inside. And if anyone was to sort of speak up about struggling, they were sort of told, oh, you'll be right, mate, you know, sort of dust yourself off, you know, shake it off, you'll be right. And no one ever sort of spoke about it or looked into it more. Um, And for me, sitting on the outside, that was quite harsh because I was like, actually, this person's seriously suffering, but it's being 
sort of pushed away as if it's nothing. But then two days later when I saw one of the blokes break his collarbone coming off a bike, everyone sort of rushed to help him. And it's just, it's, there shouldn't be any stigma and there shouldn't be any difference between it. So dust off depression came by, you know, me hearing a lot of blokes in particular sort of say, oh, dust yourself off. Um, and as much as I would love it to be that easy, it's not. So dust off depression started and it started uh, two years ago now. We've just celebrated um, the second birthday of it. And um, it was, I initially was making neck scarves and I was sewing them making them extremely bright, vibrant and playful colours so that when people purchase them, they would also get a message behind it, like this is to be worn to brighten your day, to be sun smart as well. But since then, the business has expanded massively to have another range of merchandise, but it's all aimed as a conversation starter to talk about mental health. And each person who's, who buys something or wears something with um, the logo and the message behind it is becoming their own little mental health brand ambassador, if you like, to let others know that they are someone who's comfortable with talking about mental illness, particularly in rural and remote parts of Australia, but also it's now expanding to sort of go international as well. So with that, it is a little business and a campaign that I started and I have always put forward proceeds from the business to help with um, things like farmers who were struggling, the Queensland floods, the recent farmers who have been suffering in an incredibly crippling drought in Western Australia. And now the next focus is to help those who were suffered um, and affected in the um, recent yeah, I think what you're doing is amazing. And I must say your merch is pretty on point. Like it's very spectacular. I think if people see your stuff, they, you can definitely recognize it, um, which is just such a good way of people starting a conversation because it's a little bit, you know, you use bright colors. Often it, it, it draws people's attention so that they can start that conversation and be an advocate for sure. Yeah, definitely. I know that when I've, I'm off the station at the moment, but I've been walking around town and I um I always get a few double takes of people looking at my cap, you know, got wild colours splashed all over it. And yeah, it is a huge conversation starter because people are intrigued as to know what is that about. So it's um definitely more common than I think people realise once you start to talk about mental health. It's definitely becoming more acceptable and um like it's being more, it's being received better to the public when you do start to talk about mental health issues such as depression. And Absolutely, anxiety. and I think as we come into twenty twenty, I think we're going to see even more of a change where people who, yeah, beforehand never spoke about anything to do with how they're actually feeling and kept it to themselves, will start to reach out to people and share how they really feel, which is amazing. Yeah, definitely. There's. I know in my own experiences and things, there's been a massive and dramatic change that I have seen, um, not just in the ag industry, but just in general with social stigmas around mental health topics. Um, you know, I remember back when my mum first suicided and I remember telling an older woman 
that I'd lost my mum and she said, oh, you know, how did she die? And I said, oh, well, my mum actually took her own life. And the look on her face was just pure disgust. And I remember thinking, like, I wonder if it was something else. Like, would it be better received? Yeah. So the next time I had a conversation with someone, you know, elderly who sort of asked, I said, oh, my mum was very very unwell when she passed away. And they just, you know, assumed that it was cancer or some sort of other terminal illness. And it was much more accepted and sort of I was given a whole different sort of response as well as more sympathy. And I was like, no, hang on a minute. This really needs to change. It shouldn't matter how this happened. We need to start having these conversations because I'm, I guess I'm lucky that as a 17-year-old, I wasn't seriously damaged by the reactions. Of yeah, other oh, for, for seventeen to be able to handle it, how you handled it, is yeah, pretty incredible. To be honest, it's something that obviously everyone handles differently, but you had your head on your shoulders, that's for sure. Yeah, I like to think that Mum was sort of guiding me through that phase um, and through you know going into early adolescence. I definitely feel like Mum was sort of just keeping me. On the right oh, that's path. so lovely. I definitely believe in that as well. So let's go to a little bit more of a lighthearted subject. You live a fairly extraordinary life, which you do share on your socials. I want you to tell me a little bit more about what's it like being a stock woman, but also a single mum on a station. I grew up, my mum was a single mum and for her to handle me and my sister and work, she struggled. Like, you, How do you find the time to you know, work the long hours and you, be a present mum and get it all done and run a business dust off depression yeah it's um it's like going to the circus there is a lot of things going on all at once um and it's a massive juggling act it's just I'm the ringleader of the show I guess um look I think it comes down to if you're passionate and you're determined enough you'd make anything happen and I remember my, you know, quite a few people have always said, you know, if you want something done, go ask a busy person to do it. And Absolutely. I definitely consider myself that sort of person. You know, I sort of prioritize what needs to happen in a day. And of course, my daughter comes number one above anything else. And after that, I just sort of make the time to fit everything else in. So I'm extremely lucky that I don't have a typical stock woman job if you like um and the people that I work for are incredibly understanding and supportive of me chasing my dreams and my passion as well as being a mum and running a business so they sort of allow me to pick and choose what I can and can't manage um so at the moment um sort of while my daughter is in this period where she's almost walking she's into everything um, I've sort of opted to have more domestic jobs, so cooking and cleaning on the station. But then when it comes to mustering, I'm more than capable to jump into a Suzuki and she comes with me in a car seat and we either sit in the lead or the tail of the mob. We don't chase anything, you know, nothing dangerous in that sense. We just sort of are the extra body that helps. And then when I it comes that. to the yeah, yeah, and then when it comes to like yard work, um, it's just a juggling act. So if she's having a cranky day, I don't go down or maybe my boss will have her at home. You know, it's, 
I, it definitely takes a village to raise a child and I'm just extremely blessed that I have found myself in a family who are so willing and um, supportive to help me do that. So Yeah, it sounds like you've found a really special place to raise Zahara, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm very, very lucky with my bosses out for sure. So let's chat a little bit about social media because you do have quite a following and I'd say a really strong, passionate sort of um, army of followers, which is very interesting always to see what type of followers people have. But I think everyone who follows you is your like number one supporter and really advocating for what you're doing. Can you talk to me a little bit about when you decided to start pushing stuff on social as sort of an influencer of agriculture? Yeah, it's, wow, that's a really cool question to be asked because I've never actually had the time to sit down and sort of reflect on that. Um, And look, I don't even really know how I got to where I am now. It sort of began that I initially started talking about my experience with my mum's death and my own um, experience with mental health. So I actually had a really down spiral in 2016. I had previously worked on the station and it sort of just ate at me a little bit. I wasn't quite well prepared for it. Um, And I found myself in emergency and I was like look I just really need some help because I'm having these thoughts they're consuming me I'm really scared of what I might do to myself and I you know I took a really big plunge to get help um and from there I remember laying in the hospital bed and I'd been there quite a while and sort of getting rehabilitated and I can't even remember I think it might have been one of the doctors or maybe one of the psychologists came in and they're like you need to write a journal you need to express how you're feeling because for so long I had bottled everything up I'd never spoke about my mum's death I'd never sort of got in touch with how I really felt about everything and Mm. I remember laying there and I was like you know if only there was someone I could look to to get some advice from or if only there was someone who I could look to that would um, make me feel as if I'm normal because at that point in time I felt so alien from the rest of the world and it just sort of began I just sort of started on my Instagram page it's my original Instagram page that I just had like anyone else um, and I just sort of started sharing things and um then one of my friends would read it and send it to one of their friends. And then, you know, sort of word of mouth got around quite a bit. And then when I started selling things, that was my intention. That I, When I sold an item of clothing or when I, I initially it was just neck scarves, when I sold those, I wanted people to have that conversation about mental health. So, you know, girls would go out to work and they'd have like really unusual, really bright glary fabric neck scarves and people feel like oh my goodness like where did you get that from and they'd say oh well Zoe Hayes made it but she made it so that I would talk to you about mental health or I would talk to those who ask me about it about mental health and it's just it continues to baffle me every day just how many people sort of are on board and like following um I really hate to use that term but that's what it is but 
They're your advocates. They're your advocates. That's what they are. That's a good word for them. Yeah, most definitely because I feel like they share the same passion as what I do. And I honestly feel like if I'm having a down day or I'm having something that's really troubling in my life, I feel like I can reach out to them and it's like having an army behind you. It's so Mm -hmm. empowering and not only do I feel like I am helping other people and other people can relate to me, but I don't think they realize how much they're actually helping me in return. So, yeah, I always, you know, you see quite a few of the regulars pop up and get to know them and you sort of become friends on social media, although you've never met this person. Um, and it's, it's really humbling and everyone's just so yeah you can definitely tell when you go through and look at your socials that the people who are your followers are really your true supporters but I think the thing that I'm interested a little bit more is it's something you had to be very vulnerable online and you were kind of opening up your heart to all of these people how did you just get the you've got to be really brave to do that I mean, obviously you were admitted to hospital and that sort of thing, but did you ever think that sharing it online would grow to more than, I think you have 13,000 followers or more now, is that right? Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. And and that something so powerful from your own mouth, words written in captions has created this following of people who are talking about depression, particularly in agriculture. I think it's astonishing. It's amazing. Yeah, well, when you put it like that, it sort of hits me, I suppose. I never really sort of thought of it like that. Um, Yeah, look, I think being vulnerable, I've lost my mum. I I actually lost my dad last year in December. And I sort of, you know, I've lost quite a lot of people in my life, friends, relationships, and it's all down to mental health. Um, and I kind of figured like, what else do I have to lose? Do you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. You know, when I'm, when I'm gone, I just want to be remembered for the girl who provided hope for someone else who is struggling. And I've had quite a few messages, particularly in the last sort of year where it's really kind of taken off. Um, and people have said, you know, like I can relate to you, you are helping me, um, you have encouraged me to go seek help. And I think back to my experiences and back to my mum's death, you know, I wish someone was there for her, um, you know, yeah. and my following is a range of teenagers in high school to women in their 60s and I believe I even have a few in the 70s and it's like they've become my adopted mummies but they can relate to what I'm saying and they then go and talk to their children or their grandchildren and it's now helping them make this conversation more acceptable within their own families and honestly I I remember going to my mum's funeral and I remember sitting there and seen all these people in tears and I was like you know what if I can prevent one other family going through what I'm doing right now if I can prevent one other friend sitting and saying goodbye to a friend then all of this pain right now in this moment would be worth it and honestly I think I think I've done that quite a few times and that's so awesome yeah I think mum would be incredibly proud that 
she kind of still has a voice to help. Yeah, other I think the fact that you had the strength to make something out of such a tragic situation just goes to show what type of person that you really are for sure. Oh, thank you. That's that's all right. Oh, no, you deserve that praise for sure. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, you getting involved with dust off depression with farmers across borders because I think and you and I are both passionate about this, uh, Western Australia is going through a serious drought at the moment but it really hasn't been talked about. So do you want to just touch on the drought and then tell me about your involvement with the Farmers Across Borders Australia Day Hay Run? Yeah, uh, what an amazing initiative that is in its own right and an incredibly heartwarming and humbling weekend it was. But Western Australia has been in drought for a number of years and I don't know what it is, whether it's our culture over here, but WA pastoralists and farmers just kind of get on with it. They sort of battle day in, day out, month in, month out, year in, year out. And they don't ever, I don't know if it's a pride thing or it it seems to be Western Australia agriculture industry seems to be a little bit old school, a little bit of the older generation is still sort of running it. There's not quite that sort of fresh vibe and fresh faces coming into agriculture is what is over east. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of the old fellas out there are sort of, I guess, too proud to sort of own up to say, hey, we're really struggling. So a lot of help does go over east where it's needed. But WA pastoralists and from the people that I'm close to in my community, they sort of go, well, why do they get help but we don't? And It's like, well, you guys are too proud to say anything. So um, WA has been in terrible drought and this year already we have had more rain than what we got in the whole of 2019, which is amazing, but it's still not quite enough. Um, And, you know, no one can ever predict the weather. So we just have to hope that after this bit of rain that we've had, that later on in the year we'll get more to follow up and, you know, actually grow some pasture for us to feed cattle on. But last year in particular was probably the real peak of the drought and it was the worst I've ever seen it. Um, death tolls were ridiculously high. Um, pastoralists were going out having to, you know, euthanize um, animals at several watering points and it was it was just heartbreaking. And so I wanted to do something for WA and I wanted to do something for those in particular in my community because I could see how hard they had it. Um, and I had put out on my social media, on Instagram actually, that I just wanted some sort of help for everyone to rally together to put on a hay run. And that's when Farmers Cross Borders came in to the scene and they contacted me and they said, hey, like this is what we do, this is our committee and it's something that we're passionate about. Can we help assist you in you know, running a hay run on Australia Day and it just went from there. So we collaborated together and we said, hey, we're going to go to this drop-off point and these pastoralists need the help and we'll sort of put that all together. And, yeah, Australia Day 2020, there was 20 trucks roll in with 2,000 bales of straw and hay 
um, given to those pastoralists in the Murchison region of Yes, WA. it was. Um, we got there in the end. We were a bit delayed to get to you. <laughs> a couple of hours, one truck breakdown. Um, and I'll also put in here, I don't know, Zoe, I should send you the link, but um, Kayla, who is the other podcast host, we actually did a big vlog. So if there's anyone listening, there's a vlog of the whole hay run and arriving. And I'm pretty sure there's definitely a vision of you in that vlog as well. So that's something we can link to to kind of give the entirety because it was pretty spectacular rolling in and meeting you guys but it was also so heartwarming how grateful everyone in your community was and how lovely and inviting they were like it was it was a really special evening when we met everybody yeah it was I mean I I mean even now thinking back to when I was watching those tracks roll in I had goosebumps and I have goosebumps talking about it now because although um a lot of people on the land don't like to express their feelings and they don't like to get all sort of ooey-gooey. Um, they were incredibly grateful and there was some tears shed amongst both the men and women as to just how much help this was providing them and how good it was for their mental health um, just because everyone got to rally together. It was another social gathering where, you know, a lot of our neighbours, we don't see. We maybe see them once or twice a year if we're lucky. So it yeah. was a great social event and to see the army of people that came with the truck drivers, you know, it wasn't just the truck drivers. They had family and support crew and then there was Jeep and their support crew and you guys and it was just unbelievable. I don't think I actually imagined that many people were going to be yeah, there. Yeah, I think there was yeah, over 65, there was over 65 people, actually, actually, people actually from our end. From our yeah, end. It was, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Crazy. Yeah, and then just the little things that made such um, an impact on a lot of the pastoralists was the hampers that were given out and the um, baked goods that were given from, you know, CWA women and it was just amazing and even um, myself and the staff members at Mount Clare Station we got the hampers home and we opened up the baked goods which have all been individually freezer bagged and in the freezers ready for mustering time so it's a huge job that they've actually saved us having to do um, you know there was little handmade notes inside and just appreciation for the pastoralists who are doing it really tough but also who continue to put food on the table for not only their own families but absolutely yeah it was a pretty awesome day that's for sure and it was definitely incredible seeing how amazing our whole industry is as a whole. You know, the CWA biscuits, that came from different areas, not all of, even though a majority of the hay on that run was donated from Cunderdon, Walpole and Esperance, there were still people from all over the state who just put so much into helping that day happen, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a good way to celebrate Australia Day and having, you know, such sort of, I can't even say the word, <laughs> but, you know, have Australia, you know, true blue Australian spirit get together and help those, you know, people in rural communities. Who are doing yeah, it was that. pretty nice and it was really nice as well seeing everyone sort of thank everyone at the speeches. It was just a really, really special evening and it was great that you guys were um, very accommodating to us being late, so <laughs> that was good. 
We were, for anyone listening, four hours late due to just when you've got 20 trucks and you're traveling as a whole group, you know, when you stop, it's not a half an hour stop. It'll be a 45 minutes or an hour stop. Then one of the trucks broke down and that was not a 15 minute fix. It was an hour and a half fix. So things like that happen. And then suddenly you were supposed to get there at 1 p.m. and you're actually there at 6 p.m. instead. Yeah, oh, that's part. That's part of the ag industry as well, though. Like things will and do go wrong, but it's how everyone rallies together and comes together to support one another in times that are a bit tough or tedious. So, mm. especially, no, especially, yeah, no, was I think especially the Western Australian industry because we are isolated from everyone else. It is really nice to see how quickly and just. Um, quietly everyone can come together to achieve something spectacular that's for sure yeah definitely. so another thing a little bit more light-hearted before we finish up is that you get a lot of questions on your Instagram about how you got into the agricultural industry how to get into the agricultural industry so I want to know as someone born and bred into it as someone who has come into it and thrives in it now what's something that you didn't know before you got into the industry that you now know that you wished you did know beforehand sorry there's probably a lot there's probably a lot (laughs) (laughs) everything I came I came into it so naive and so blind um (laughs) oh what did I not know that's such a good question. It, literally everything. I think every aspect of living remote and particularly on a cattle station. It's um, tough. It's a tough time. Like, I think for people who haven't been on a station, I feel like everyone in their life needs to experience it or visit one just to see the scheme of things because it's such a huge production of how uh, that you run a cattle station compared to even a normal farm. It's, it's insane. Yeah, and particularly being so isolated and remote where I am now, um, I think one of the biggest culture shocks for me was not having 24-hour power and running power from a generator. So you only get, you know, you only get power from sort of 7 till Mm 9, you know, Mm 7 a.m. till Mm 9 p.m. And I think that really kind of shocked me. Um, So if you are going onto a station that doesn't have 24-hour power, Take a tour. <laughs> or take extra battery packs for your phone. <laughs> I think that's something that people don't realize is that, you know, you kind of are completely off the grid and that there is, you know, often things that we see as, you know, everyday life like power can be an absolute luxury to where you guys are. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite so easy as just flicking on a light, that's for sure. Yeah, if only. (laughs) So one thing I wanted to also say is that you have a lot of people who ask you how to get into the industry as a non-ag background. So could you give some advice to listeners who are from a non-ag background? What would be sort of your advice to get onto a station or to just get into the industry? Because it is such a great space to be in. Yeah, well, I actually get asked this question pretty much three to four times every day. You can just direct them um, to the podcast now. The podcast now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. So my biggest piece of advice, and it, it's not always very well received, particularly by women, because I don't like to be sexist, but for women, the easiest way to get a foot in the door is to be a cook, a cleaner, or a governess. So mm-hmm. if you don't know what a governess is, that's basically like a nanny or someone who will teach um, station children, school via school of the air. 
And it's honestly just your foot in the door. There are so many more opportunities, particularly for young girls, to end up in a stock camp if they start out as a cook, a gardener, a cleaner or a school teacher. Um, and it just it's just because it's so much easier for station owners or managers um, to put you in that role and then let you learn on weekends, on days off, you will bounce off of the other staff member in the crew rather than putting all the responsibility on you straight away and you not being able to meet those expectations. Yeah, because it's pretty tough, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think it's what deters a lot of young men and women from staying in this industry. A lot of people, when I talk to them and say, I'm not originally from this background, but I've been in it for six years, they kind of go, wow like you know no one ever stays in it that long well not from who I've spoken about who isn't born into it so I would um, agree I definitely had a lot of knockbacks when I first went into a stock camp and I even up till sort of last year I was still telling people I was a first year station hand and it takes a lot of pressure off of sort of having to meet expectations or requirements it is sort of underselling myself, I suppose, but I'd prefer to do that and thrive than to sort of say, oh, I can do this and then And fail. once I would I just put one thing in is that the more people you work for in the ag industry, the more you realise every farmer, every stock manager, every station owner, they all do things a bit differently. So they all have a different way of thinking. So it's probably even better for you, especially in your first couple of years to just say, if you're going to jump from station or farm to farm, that you kind of do a little bit undersell yourself because you're better off then impressing them rather than saying, yeah, I can do all of this. Yeah, definitely. And I, like in my first couple of years, I sort of was expected so much of me and I had a manager who really just didn't like me and he put, you know, he sort of put me down quite a lot and I, it it deterred me away from station work. So I took myself away, had a breather and then went on to another property and sort of said, look, this is some of the previous experience that I have, but I'm willing to learn. And honestly, I think if you have a strong passion and determination to try and try and try again, you will succeed in anything. That's not just in the ag industry in any walks of life, nothing that you love comes easy and it definitely requires a lot of determination. And Yeah, work. I love that. I totally agree. That's exactly right. If you want something, you just have to go after it and keep trying and not listening to people who knock you back every time. Yeah, definitely because I wouldn't be where I am today and in the state of mind that I am today if I had have listened to a numerous amount of people trying to tell me that I can Yeah, for it. sure. That is, you're definitely the person to come to to see how you can achieve anything, that's for sure. So we've kind of chatted a little bit about the industry, how it, you know, there are things that are still setbacks, you know, this, we have, you know, women seen as a little bit less than in some of the areas of agriculture and what's your future hopes for agriculture as, uh, you know, I would say you're very um, uh, influential young woman of the industry, particularly in WA, what do you hope for the future of agriculture? I hope for the future that there are more young people that get into this industry and stick at it. Um, mm-hmm. I know that there's always interest of 
young men and women loving the idea of it but then when it gets too hard they run and I just would like to see you know better management put in place as well you know make absolutely you know make it more sort of accommodating for these young people they're they're leaving home they're coming you know you know from far away let's really involve them in our communities and make them feel like they're a part of something and then we generally will have people stay in job roles a lot longer um and then we have more influential people to turn to and look to within our industry it seems to be a bit of a dying trade and I know that things such as floods fires and droughts have definitely damaged a lot of the industry because um people might not be in positions to employ people anymore and there aren't as many jobs things like that but I would like to see it being more encouraging for the younger generation and the new upcoming generations to give it a go and stick at it even when things get really tough because it will get tough it's the ag industry part and parcel of it um but it needs to also sort of yeah, just be more accommodating for those young people to come in. And although there's still a bit of a male stigma in the industry, you know, you know, it's still kind of a very male-dominated industry, I'd like to see women not so much fighting for equal rights but just to own, own their own presence and own their own abilities within their job roles, you know, women don't have to be as good as the boys they don't have to you know meet their expectations I think as much as I would love to see everyone be completely equal you know at the end of the day boys are boys and girls are girls and I would like to see that there is a mutual agreement where women are allowed to thrive to the best of their ability and men are allowed to and they're not yeah I think that's absolutely awesome I think that's it I think it's just and I mean the only person you should be competing against in life is yourself if you're not just going to be a better version of yourself each day then there's no point doing any of it at all yeah exactly I remember hearing someone say you know all I want to be is better than the person I was yesterday and I think everyone should try yeah I absolutely agree I love that advice so Zoe before we go can you tell me where can we find you share all your Instagram handles share your website you've got a few different um social medias to follow yeah so on Facebook you can find me just by typing in Zoe Hay um Instagram is Zoe Hayes underscore Eaton and my website is Dust Off Depression. And obviously we'll share all of Zoe's information on our website as well. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great to chat. Oh, it's been an absolute honor. It's always so humbling when I get to share yeah, my Yeah, no, story. and we've been we've been wanting to tee this up for a while, so I'm so glad it's finally happened. Yeah, me too. I'm so glad we got to do this. It's it wonderful opportunity and I'm extremely grateful. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.